Excellent. Why don't you stand with me for reading God's Word? This is Jonah, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we as a people ask that we, uh, in your presence, hear your voice, hear the words that you long to say to us, that you would teach us from Jonah, that we would learn uh, from his mistakes and the things that he did right, and that we'd be a people who serve and love you. Amen. Have a seat. All right, so uh, anybody in here ever been a kid? Once? Okay. <laughs> Long time. Anybody in here have kids? All right, anybody want kids? No. Just ask one of the people with kids. No. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my mom would take my brother and I to the grocery store. And from the time I was about two to five, I, I didn't really put this together, but every time I went to the grocery store, I came home and got a spanking. Okay? <laughs> And about five or six, I kind of wisened up. She'd come in and she'd say, hey, do you want to go to the grocery store after I was like five or six? And I said, no. She goes, you're going anyway, which I'm like, why ask at that point, right? So I go to the grocery store and, and there's, you know, there's stuff all over the shelves and it's shiny and pretty and you want to grab it and touch it so you break things and you're like, stop it. And you're like, you know, it's falling. And so as a kid, what do you do, you know, when, when your parent yells at you? What's a kid do? And? Right, and they 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 start running, ah, right? And where are they going to go? Right, they, they don't have any clothes of their own. They don't have any food of their own. They don't have a home of their own. Where are they going? Right? They don't they don't know. They're just, they're just like ah, and, and they're running. And as a parent, what does a parent do? Chase them down. Why? Because you're mad, right? <laughs> but also, you chase them down because they don't have any clothes of their own. They don't have any food. They don't have any place to go. So you chase them down because you love them and you want to. Discipline them and, and set them back on the course they're supposed to go. That is the theme of Jonah. Okay, that is the theme of Jonah, theme of the Bible. It is sin and it is grace. We run, God chases. He tracks us down. He finds us. He disciplines us. He makes us his. Jonah runs. God pursues. Jonah sins. God is gracious, forgives. He is just like a loving parent that goes after his son. So open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. It's one of the last 12 books of the Old Testament. I'll give you a chance to get there. Like, what? Don't you just put the verses on the screen? I do. See, it's right there. Jonah 1. Yeah. Who can get there first? All right. Jonah, uh, just where we started. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Jonah, at this point in his life, I don't care what VeggieTales decides to tell you, Jonah is not a prophet yet. Okay, Jonah's just some dude doing his job, and God shows up, and he says, go do this thing. Go do this. Now, there, there's, there's Hebrew legends where in 1 Kings 17, uh, Elijah, this prophet, goes and he raises this boy from the dead, and there's these legends that say, oh, that was Jonah. I, I don't think so. I think Jonah's just some dude doing his job, and God shows up and says, go to Afghanistan. So God calls Jonah to be the only Old Testament prophet to go to a nation other than Israel. He is called to go to the city called Nineveh in the nation of uh, Assyria, which is on the east bank of the Tigris River. Jonah is written during the reign of King Jeroboam II. You can see this in 2 Kings 14.23. This is about 800 years before Jesus. Okay, About 800 years before Jesus was born. And during this time, Israel is very prosperous. They're doing very, very well, but they are very steeped in sin. Now, last week, or two weeks ago, I talked about prophets, tombs of the prophets. What was the role of a prophet? 
There's going to be a test? I didn't know this. What's up with that? Okay. I'll, all right. So a role of a prophet was not to walk around and just prophesy about the future. The, the role of a prophet was to go and make forth the mysteries of God known to people. That was his job. That's why sometimes preachers are still considered prophets in this day because they're making forth the mysteries known of Scripture to people. Now, so Jonah is called to go be this thing. Now, a prophet, when you look in the Old Testament, a prophet didn't understand mediocrity. A prophet didn't understand people that would just go to church and said, oh, I've been to church, I've been to church, I've been to church. Therefore, everything I do in my life is now okay because I've gone and, and everything's fine. That the role of a prophet was, was to go in and say, straighten up. You call yourselves the people of God. You're not living like the people of God. And now Jonah is called to go to a different nation who didn't know his God and say, straighten up. You need to follow God. At the very same time that Jonah is supposed to go to Assyria, there's another prophet. His name's Nahum. It's actually in those books there. And he is prophesying about the wickedness and cruelty of the Assyrians. He's also telling Israel to straighten up. But much of his message is the Assyrians are evil, cruel, mean, vile people. And I'm sure Jonah is sitting there listening to Nahum going, yeah, those are evil people. And, he just, and he, then he's going home and God shows up and he goes, I want you to go there. He's like, what? That's the chili. That's not God. You know, it's got to be something else. And God says, go to Assyria. It is their evil, vile, cruel, mean people. The, the Assyrians were known, uh, widely known for two things, legendary. One for their pride. Turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 10. A couple books to the left. First service, they said I didn't give enough time to get there. So I'm just kind of... La, 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 la. Isaiah was also a prophet. Isaiah chapter 10, starting verse 12. When the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I have done this. By my wisdom, because I have understanding, I have removed the boundaries of nations. I plundered their treasures like a mighty one. I subdued their kings. They are very prideful people. The second thing they are known for is their cruelty. Nahum lists the many sins of Assyria. Uh, murder. When, when they came in and conquered a city, they would take the dead bodies and they would pile them in the center of the city. And they would just decay there so you can know the Assyrians have been here. Uh, they practice witchcraft. Uh, they practice bizarre sexual practices like things you see for five bucks in Tijuana. You know, okay. Uh, <laughs> you never know how something like that's going to go down. You, know, you just never know. Uh, prostitution. They're, they're a vile nasty. Uh, imagine uh, an entire country run by the DMV. Okay? They're arrogant. They are proud. They are rude. This, someone's, someone's going, I work for the DMV. Okay. Consequently, uh, these Assyrians, they are bitter enemies of the people of God. Bitter enemies. On three different occasions, they had actually come in and tried to wipe Israel off the face of the map. So they hate them. In the book of Psalms, it talks about babies' heads being bashed against rocks. The Assyrians would do that. They would come into a town. They would kill the men. They would rape the women. They would take the children and bash their heads with rocks. They would take pregnant women. They would rip them open, pull out the babies, and they would kill it. That's the Assyrians. They're a vile, nasty people. Now, Nineveh is the prince of one of the principal cities. It is the symbol of their pride and their arrogance. Uh, at the time of Jonah, in Jonah 4.11, it tells you that there were 120,000 children in the city, which means extrapolate that to what the adult population was. Uh, Nineveh, legends say, and history kind of bears out that it was fortified by uh, walls that were 100 feet tall. 
and they were wide enough that three chariots could race side by side around the walls, on top of the walls. So that's how big this place is. And that added to their sense of invincibility. Nobody can touch us. We're Assyria. We're Nineveh. No one can touch us. They'd grow their crops, grow their cattle. No one could tell them what to do. They'd go out. They would rape. They'd pillage. They'd murder. They'd come back behind their walls. Nobody can touch them. The Bible tells us that uh, Nineveh was originally founded by a guy named Nimrod. <laughs> He's a great mighty warrior. Of course, you look at his name, right? If you give your son this name, you better know how to fight, okay? That's, that's the deal. He's a descendant of Noah. Uh, and so Jonah is an Israelite. Hates these people. Hates these people. And God tells him to go there. And, and Jonah, in his mind, has got to be like, they have no redeeming qualities. And I think God is like, but they're created in my image. You need to go there. So imagine God says to you, one day you're, you're driving home and, you know, like one of those freaky sci-fi movies, your radio starts going, and God says, go to Baghdad. Go to Afghanistan. Talk to Al-Qaeda. Tell them what they're doing is wrong, that they need to straighten up, that the way they conduct their business affairs is wrong, that the way they treat their families is wrong, and I want them to turn and worship and love and follow me. And what do you, and you, in your mind, you're going, they'll kill me. <laughs> I, I don't want to go there. That, 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 do we have a plan B, God? A plan B is, is much better than this plan A because I don't like it. But that's what God does to Jonah. That's his job description. Go there, tell him to stop it. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Oh, sorry, back to the book of Jonah. Sorry. That way. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound uh, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So what does Jonah do? He runs like all Christians do. You know, it's like we sin against God, we get stupid. Jonah thinks he can hop on a ship, go in the middle of a sea, going somewhere, and God can't find him. It's, it's just like uh, Adam in the garden. He goes and he hides behind a tree, and God comes walking through the garden. Adam thinks God can't find him behind a tree. I don't know where that Adam is. I don't know. You know we, when we sin, we just get really, really stupid. I mean, we, we think that when we sin, if we don't hang out with God's people or go to church or around, then, then God really doesn't know and, and, and I'm okay. God sees everything. Now, Nineveh is east. Tarshish is west. Um, I have a little map. Now, here's, here's the first map, okay? Uh, this is what it's like. Okay, so imagine this is Jonah and God calls him right here, okay? Jonah looks a lot like a mic stand, okay? And then he says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is about right here. Sorry. Okay? So that's Nineveh. So what he does is he goes down to Joppa, which is about right there, and he heads for Tarshish. Imagine that. End of the world. I've got another map. That's where he goes. Can you imagine that? I mean, you hate these people so much, and God's go, and you're like, I'm just going. And you hop on the ship, and you just start barreling away as fast as you can and as far as you can from what God is calling you to. I mean, and, and for us, it, everybody, I think even Christians are like this. We, we find ways to head to Tarshish. All the time. When we want to run from God, we find a way to do so. We will find the money. We will find the time. We will find the way to do it. If you're married, you want to have an affair, you'll find some lady or some guy. You'll find something. I mean, if, if you want to get drunk, you'll find alcohol. You'll find it. It's not God's provision. It is you running from the call of God in your life. 
heading to Tarshish. Throughout the scriptures, these threads of sin and grace weave human history together. In Jonah, sin is shown as us running from God. And God, and, and the grace of God is shown as God pursuing us and hunting us down and pulling us back where we're supposed to be. So Jonah hops on this ship and he's headed for that candle stand way over there. Okay, verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. It's like, oh, crap, God found me. How do you do that? Okay, great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. This lets you know that the sailors on the ship are not Israelites. Okay? They're, they're pagan sailors. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. So Jonah's sin by running from God is now implicating these soldiers. The, the storm comes. It's there to humble Jonah. But now these guys' lives are in danger. They don't know God. They face death because of Jonah. This is the communal nature of sin. We like to think that our sin is just about us. And it's not about, oh, it's, it's just my sin. No harm, no foul. I didn't hurt anybody else. 1 Corinthians 12.26 says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. That is in reference to believers. And when that is sin. Sin is communal. It hurts everybody around us. People we are connected to, even non-believers who don't know God, there are still consequences when we don't live for God. These guys have children, and those children may not have fathers if this keeps up. It is the sick nature of sin. Because he is selfish, because Jonah is selfish, and he runs like we run, it affects other people. We don't sin in isolation, and consequences don't just come to the individual. So the storm comes, and the storm strikes, and the ship's nearly torn apart. The sailors are so frightened, they start taking all their cargo. They're throwing their livelihood overboard, and they cry out in desperation to their various false gods. Meanwhile, Jonah's asleep below deck. And I don't really fault him for this at this point because I really think Jonah's just seasick. Okay? I, I, I get that. I, he can't tolerate being awake until the soldiers come and wake him up, calling your God for relief. I mean, I, I've got a vertical jump of about three inches. Okay? That's it. And I, I get sick on helicopter, helicopter rides. I get sick on roller coasters. And I love roller coasters. I get, you shake me too vigorously, I get sick. Okay? <laughs> I, I don't play pin the tail on the donkey because it's like, oh, I've got to spin around. You know, it's, I, I'm just not, so I understand this. I, I take Dramamine on a trip, and I better just fall asleep because it only makes me sleepy. If I stay awake, I puke. So I, I get this. He's probably asleep. He's probably hurting, so he's laying down. Verse 8. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? Uh, what is your country? Uh, from what people are you? Oh, dang it. Verse 7. How did I just do that? Verse 7, sorry, the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. So they, some god must be angry. Uh, and they go through, and they're like, Oh, this, so they throw dice, and God is God of the dice. And I think at this point, for his purpose, he lets the dice work. And it's like, Number 7 is Jonah. Okay, number 7, it's you. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Uh, they're being really nice about this whole deal. He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, that's Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now at this point in Jonah's life, does he have a theological problem? No, not at all. He knows who God is and he knows what God is calling him to do. So what's his problem? He doesn't like what God said. So he's running. 
the other direction. That's his problem. And Christians are no different. Yes, Christians all the time. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Then why don't you live like it? You know, why aren't you loving people like God called you to love people? Why aren't you living in this way? Well, because I don't want to. I'm running. You know, this is one of the great mysteries of the world. Why people who call themselves the people of God don't live like the people of God. Because we know what he says. Verse 10, this terrified them. Oh, I know what God says. I'm just not going to do it. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. I mean, he's, he's bold enough. He, I'm Jonah. I'm running from God. He's catching up. Can you get the ship moving, please? You know, it's, it's, it's coming this way. And we're so like that. People walk up to us and they're, and they're like, what are you doing? You're screwing up. And they're like, oh, leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. And they just blow you off. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? So like, okay, enough about you. What are we going to do? And this is the great sobriety moment for Jonah. Verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will, get, it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. This is his moment of sobriety. And he replies, they should ha- just hand me over to God and, and it'll get better for you. Toss me in the sea, it'll calm down. And I like this part because Jonah finally says, this is my fault. He doesn't blame the Ninevites. He doesn't blame the sailors. He doesn't blame God. I think this is a turning point in Jonah's life. He realizes that he, like us, are rebels against God. And this chaos and trouble in our lives is typically our own fault. And we run from God. Verse 13, and this is the amazing thing. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. I mean, the pagans look nicer than the prophet of God. It's like, throw me into the sea. No, that's not a good plan. Grab an oar. And they just start rowing. They're going to try and get Jonah back to land. We're not going to toss him into the water, into the sea. I mean, they are spiritual and compassionate people. Not the prophet of God. They take him on the boat. They ask him about the storm. They lighten the load. They grab an oar. Because we just can't throw him over. That's just not right. That's what they did right there. We're not going to. The prophet in the story, I'm sorry, he hates me. I know it. (laughs) Was that guy ever shut up? He just talks forever. (laughs) The prophet of God looks terrible. He's like, oh, I brought this on you, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they grab oars. There is no indication in the story that Jonah grabbed an oar to help. They just grab oars. Oh, cool, yeah, row me back. That'd be nice. The sailors are there spiritual and they're moral, but they don't know God. Jonah knows God, but he isn't spiritual and he isn't moral. And this is one of the great confusions of our world, the hypocrisy of believers. I mean, I look at this and I think, my cargo for a person, I'll grab an orbital, take it to Jonah, and then we'll kick him over. I mean, that's, yeah, sorry, I'm just being honest. Verse 14. Then they cried to the Lord. So now they're crying to God. Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, oh, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And Scripture tells you the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ah, healthy reverence, healthy fear of who God is. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows to him. They worship God. They have church. It's interesting. If you think about it, what was Jonah's call in the whole story? Go to a people, tell those people who don't know God, tell them about God so their lives will change, and he runs from the call. And what happens? He hooks up with some pagan sailors, and he tells them about God. Then they worship the Lord, and they pledge themselves to this God. The very call that Jonah was running from is exactly what he refused to do he ended up doing. 
Because I'll tell you, there's two ways to be obedient to God. The shortcut is just doing it. The second way is much more entertaining. <laughs> and it's just the long way. And it is Jonah's way. And God, I, I, I love God. He's so amazing. He is so scandalous. I mean, these guys are just learning what it means to follow this, this God this, that Jonah tells them about. And the prophet's like, this is God. Oh, wow, he must be great. And yes, he is a great, mighty, powerful God. And Okay, God, what do you want us to do? That's my prophet. Throw him in the water. Are you sure? Yeah. Throw him over. Our gods don't act this. I, I got it. I'm good. Throw him over. And you take the prophet of God. Don't think you can throw me over any time. You take this, and he takes this guy, and they, and they throw him over into the water. I mean, he, this is why some people will not come to follow God, because he does not act the way they think he should. God is free, and he is graceful, and he is loving, and he never does what we think he should. These men fear God. Jonah doesn't even do that. Verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Throw him over. Okay. Foom. Foom. They're like, okay, we'll worship you. <laughs> it's like, it's like that, that, that was pretty wild. Now, you can't let the fish overtake the story. Everybody talks about Jonah and the fish or Jonah and the well, whatever. The fish is a great prop on the stage, but God is the hero of the story. There's a lot of talk about the fish. It's, people think Christians are stupid. People don't live in fish. I'm like, they don't? People, people don't live in I, Nobody told me. People don't live in fish. Ah, that's amazing. You know? Many liberal modern Bible scholars okay, well, and critics, they dismiss the account of Jonah as being a myth or a fable, say it didn't happen. Or, oh, no, there's a British guy in 1850. He gets swallowed by a fish and he gets puked up, bleached by, bleached by stomach acids. Three days later, he's white, he stinks, but he's alive. Okay? We know this is true. Because Jesus said it happened, and we trust Jesus. In fact, Jesus taught that if you're unable to believe that God put Jonah in a fish for three days and three nights and then brought him forth alive, then we are, we'll be unable to believe that God came in the flesh, and he died and was buried and raised three days later and brought forth as one alive as greater than Jonah. See, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Verse 39. These people come to Jesus at this point, and they're asking him, show me a sign. Give me a sign to prove who you are. Give me a sign. Matthew 12, 39. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The parallel passage is Luke eleven twenty nine, And what Jesus essentially says is that if you think the fish is a big deal, think about God coming in the flesh and dying and resurrecting. And the same Jonah who rebelled and ran from God was forgiven and loved by Jesus. And this Jesus came to redeem people like Jonah. The point of Jonah was to prepare us for Jesus. That's what Jesus says. And if you don't make the story of Jonah personal, if you don't look at it and say, that's me, you're never going to get it. Each year on Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, uh, certain sects of Jews will gather in synagogues and they read the book of Jonah. And they reply throughout the book, we are Jonah. We are Jonah. Because the key to the book of Jonah is that we are Jonah. In order to get that, you have to say it with me. We are Jonah. You guys are weak. We are Jonah. We are Jonah! Okay. <laughs> we are Jonah. 
in that everybody runs from God. Everybody runs. It's like that Minority Report movie. Everybody runs. John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming, as now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is actively seeking and pursuing those who will listen, worship, and follow Him. Those who run. We know God loves us, but we come and we are self-righteous and we don't understand grace. We're like a kid who runs into traffic. Oh, look, it's so shiny. This is what I need. I need this. Oh, and the father comes up and he's all, no, you're going to get run over. And the kid screams, what are you doing? I just saved your life, midget demon. I just saved your life. You know, I just saved you because their will has been violated. But that says we run. And God goes in pursuit, and he grabs, and he pulls us back. You've got to be honest. You have to figure out how you run, because we all run. The sailors, they had this pseudo-God that they prayed to, and it was God on their own terms. The Syrians, they did whatever they wanted to. I don't have a God at all. I just do it, and that's how they ran. Jonah ran by having a veneer of spirituality. It's kind of like a lot of Christians, because the greatest place to hide is in the church. Because no one's, oh, I'm, I'm great, everything's wonderful. That's how Jonah ran. God has come to get you and I from where we are hiding because he wants us to have life. So, in a subdued... We are Jonah. We are Jonah. That's better. And that we don't like certain people. We don't like certain people. In chapter 3, Jonah's great fear is that he'll go and he'll preach to these people and they'll actually repent. And that God will actually love them. And he didn't like them. He's okay when God says, if they don't, I'm going to destroy it. And he's like, yeah. But what if they repent? Oh, my goodness, what do I do with that? If he preaches, God's going to relent. God's going to bestow blessing and his love. But he didn't like those people. Jonah wrongly believed because he was from a certain race or because he knew the scriptures and belonged to the one true God that he was somehow better than somebody else, better than these pagans of whom he did not like. He didn't want them to be part of his spiritual family. I mean, we are like that. We think we are better than other people. I mean, America is actually the greatest humanitarian nation that the world has ever seen. But we think we're better than other people. Some people are like, well, I'm better because I've suffered. Well, I'm better because I haven't suffered. I'm better because I'm young. Well, I'm better because I'm old. I'm better because I'm poor. I'm better because I'm rich. I'm better because I'm white. I'm better because I'm black. I'm better because I'm wise. I'm better because I'm foolish. You know, I'm better because I like indie rock. Well, I'm better because I like top 40. You know, I'm, I'm better because I'm male. I'm better because I'm female. I'm better because I'm educated. I'm better because I'm uneducated. And we have all these things. We have people we don't like, and we don't want them to know Jesus. And we just hope, I hope they never become a believer, because I don't want to spend heaven, uh, forever in heaven with them, because you can't kill people in heaven. It's complicated. Like, they should just go to hell. I don't want to tell them about God. Was Jonah more righteous than the people he was called to reach? No. Was he more self-righteous? Yes. Very much so. Are we more righteous than anybody else in this world? No, we are not. We are not. And God wants to love people and draw them and redeem them. And we are Jonah. We are Jonah. We too have been sent to proclaim God's message of grace and mercy to a sometimes wicked city, state, nation, world that know nothing about Jesus except what they see on TV. And what they see on TV is not Jesus. It is not Jesus. I mean, you, you ask them, do you know Jesus? Why would I say Jesus? I hit my finger with a hammer. You know, I don't know what that is. You know, the whole world is filled with other self-righteous people, just like us, who are spiritual but know nothing of the one true God. They know nothing of sin and nothing of grace. 
And we are called to proclaim that grace and that goodness. Here's a field test. I, I gave this a few years ago, actually, when I was talking about something. And it still works today. It's great. So imagine uh, Kid Rock becomes a Christian. Okay? He goes around, and all of a sudden, you know, in a month, half a million Kid Rock fans become believers. Okay? And then all of a sudden, next week, here, uh, you've got like a couple thousand of these kids showing up with their, with their pimp hats and their wife beaters and their lowrider chrome bicycles because they got too many DUIs and they can't drive a car anymore. You know, and, they, and they show up and they're all, woo, let's hold a mass prayer vigil so Kid Rock becomes our pastor. You know, we're like, this is weird. We don't li- I don't like the music. I, I didn't know you could worship holding onto a pole. You know, I, how does that work? You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get this. It, just, it doesn't make sense to me. Are we going to be happy? No, not really. Because they're not going to do it like we do it. This is Jonah's problem. Jonah's like, if they believe, it's going to get all weird. I don't know what to do with that. You know, he's like, I don't like them. The reason the gospel ceases to go out to certain people and doesn't go forward is that people are self-righteous and they see themselves as better than other people. And we are not. The gospel needs to go to all people. We cannot rightly proclaim repentance of sin and the beauty of grace until we, like Jonah, have experienced it for ourselves by repenting like Jonah did, by confessing that we are Jonah and that God in Jesus Christ has pursued us and found us, that we are bad and God is good. I mean, nobody in this story looks good. Jonah doesn't look good. The Ninevites don't look good. The sailors are the only guys that kind of look good, but they're not really good either. They're worshiping false gods. Only God looks good. Only God. And Jonah, throughout this book, you see no beauty in his self-righteousness, but only in his repentance. And he tells the greatest revival of the history of the world. And it had nothing to do with his righteousness, but everything to do with God's grace. And this grace was extended to the sailors. This grace was extended to the Ninevites. And this grace is extended to the prophet himself, in our vernacular, even the Christian. Because this guy ran in sin, but was found by a God of grace. And he's transformed by his repentance. And this grace, through Jesus Christ, is eventually extended to you and I today. And we know that Jonah came to the place of repentance because Jonah writes the book of Jonah. And you've got to repent when you come to a place and be like, yeah, I'm an idiot. This is what I did. And he's totally honest and shows it. How do you run? How do you run? May we figure out how we run and stop running. May we experience the grace that God wants to bestow upon us. May we extend mercy where mercy is to be extended. May we by God's grace, be Jonah. Now, we come to this place. The band's going to come up. And we come to this place where we do every week. Uh, we come to this place where we worship God through communion. And communion is a symbol. It is, it is Christ's body that was broken for us and His blood that was shed for us. And so you break the crack and you dip it in the wine or the grape juice. And it reminds us that this is a place of humbleness where we come before God and we lay ourselves just simply before Him and we say, You're God, I'm not. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust what you say. We're going to worship God through some songs. Uh, Sean's going to lead a few more in a, in a raspy sort of way. <laughs> we worship God uh, through giving. There's offering boxes on the wall and in the back of the room. Worship God through prayer. There's going to be some elders in the back of the room that would love to pray with you if you need prayer. If you are running and you want to figure out how can I stop running. And we're going to worship God through fellowship when we're done. Uh, actually, I need you guys to stack all the chairs today. Uh, and then we're going to hang out and talk for a little bit and get to know each other a little bit more. And then this week, how you live outside these walls is worship. 
so much more of worship than what you're doing here. Worship is so much more than what happens in this place. And may you, by the grace of God, be Jonah. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that you would help us to learn how to go to that place of repentance. God, the place where we trust you instead of run from you in all the ways that we run. Help us to lay ourselves in your hands to trust what you have said. And God, even in times when we feel like our lives are swallowed by a gigantic fish, that in those places, most of all, that we would turn to you and trust you as the God that has revealed himself. Help us to be like Jonah in his repentance and not like Jonah in his running. Amen.